Hey guys! Hey guys! How are you going? Happy? Yeah, I'm going good. How are you going? I'm surviving. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. We're recording from lockdown, so we're in separate places right now, so it's a bit stressful, but yeah. I feel like um, it sucks a bit it being our second podcast and we're trying to figure out over Zoom at the same time. It seems very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I yeah. think a nice way to start, I listened to the kick pod. I'm not sure if you know what that is, but um, Keep It Cleaner, Laura Henshaw and Steph Claire Smith have a podcast. They're like a health and fitness gurus. And they, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, beautiful. They always start their podcast with, um, I think they do a special share and then something that they're grateful for. I can't quite remember. But I thought that we could do something that we're grateful for or something positive that we've had from the last week just to start off on a positive note. So, Abby, I ask you, <laughs> what are you grateful for this week? Um, I'm really grateful for my housemate, actually. Uh-huh. Um, it's been lovely to have some company during lockdown and, um, yeah, we've been getting on really well, which is so good. That's awesome. That's so lovely. Yeah. How about you, Maggie? <sighs> I'm really grateful for my mum. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. One thing in particular, <laughs> she posted yeah. me some cupcakes. So I'm in Newcastle and she's in Tamworth. And she posted me four cupcakes from like a local, from Cupcake Espresso, Espresso, which is just like a local cupcake maker. <laughs> and I've had oh, those goodness. to eat and they're so delicious. That is amazing. Yeah. I love that so much. They're so yummy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's awesome. Your mum is so cute. Man. I know. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, after that cute intro, <laughs> I reckon we can get into the podcast now. Yeah. So today we wanted to talk about speech pathology. So according to Speech Pathology Australia, speech pathologists study, diagnose and treat communication disorders, including difficulties with speaking, listening, understanding language, reading and writing, social skills, stuttering and using voice. They work with people who have difficulty communicating because of developmental delays, stroke, brain injuries, learning disability, intellectual disability, cerebral palsy, dementia, and even hearing loss, as well as other problems that can affect speech and language. People who experience difficulties swallowing food and drink safely can also be helped by a speech pathologist. So that was just the more formal definition of speech pathology. We're gonna go into it in a little bit more, um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> a little bit more, like, more simply, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. More simply. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, before we get started, I found this really cool graphic on Speech Pathology Australia and it breaks down 
speech pathology as a practice in Australia. And I wanted to share a few things that I found. Um, it is from 2015, so a little bit outdated, but still super interesting. So there is 15 universities in 19 different locations across Australia that offer 24 different speech pathology courses and they push out between 700 and 1,300 new graduates each year. Um, that's a lot. Yeah, that's huge, right? Uh, Amazing. Also found out that the highest number of speech pathologists practice in New South Wales, which is no surprise, there's lots of us here. <laughs> um, and the fewest is in the Northern Territory, which I thought... I mean, it makes sense. There's like a lot of desert and like spread out land in the Northern Territory. But that's even including yeah. um, the ACT, which is just Canberra. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my next fact is 76.6% of speech pathologists work in major cities. 15.9% work in inner regional areas. 6.5% in outer regional areas. And point zero one percent in remote areas and i reckon um that number in remote areas has only got to be growing there's such a push for um people to go into rural and remote areas to work which i think is awesome yeah um, i definitely want to i graduate me too <laughs> the next fact 97.5 percent of speech pathologists are female <laughs> which I don't think is going to surprise Abby or I looking at our cohort and the other years around us. <laughs> but I did think it was interesting that in 2015, male speech pathologists work six hours more on average per week than their female counterparts. So that was interesting. I've never really thought about it in terms of hours. You kind of think about like women having maternity leave and days off for like caring for children and stuff. But when you actually look at the hours, it's really interesting. And my last one is um, that speech pathologists can work in private practice or in public practices or in both. <laughs> and in 2015, there was 52.6% of speech pathologists working in the private sector only. 36.6% working in the public sector only, and 10.8% working in both public and private practices. So that's pretty cool. Um, nice. And at the bottom, I know I said that was my last one, but <laughs> at the bottom of um, the like PDF graphic that I found, it had a little breakdown about the typical Australian speech pathologist in 2015. And it said things like, like, they were women, they worked in major cities, like all those facts that I just went through. But apparently most speech pathologists only work four days a week. They only work part-time, which I love to hear because I love a three-day weekend. <laughs> so good. That sounds amazing. I know. So we thought we would break down 11 of our practice areas in the potty today. And before we get started, we wanted to mention that speech pathologists work with people from every age group. So like newborns, 
to those in like aged care facilities and every age in between, which is super interesting. Yeah, so exciting. Okay, so first off the bat, number one out of 11 is speech. And speech is the actual way we say our words. So when you think about kids having a lisp or little kids saying wabbit instead of rabbit or my favourite one is um, lello instead of yellow. I think that's so cute. So that's the first type of people that we can work with. Nice. The second um, kind of practice area that we work with is language. So that's like the words we use. And so like knowing that a cat is a four-legged animal with a tail that meows. And so language is actually divided into two sections. So the first section is receptive language which is understanding the words that you hear. So that's like um, someone having difficulty following instructions. So if a kid can't understand what they're being asked to do, they won't be able to do it. So that's where that kind of comes into things. Yeah. And then the second half of language is expressive language, which is being able to use the words that you know. Yeah. So, and then that comes into... An example, um, like kids having difficulty expressing their needs and wants. So if you don't have the words or the vocabulary to say, I'm hungry, you're going to be frustrated and upset because you're not getting fed. So that's where that one comes Yeah. In. So yeah. upsetting when like you see a child like upset yeah. because they can't. Then And then we can help. Exactly. So, which is really cool. I know. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, So the third practice area is voice, which is basically what it is. (laughs) It's how you sound when you speak. Yeah, so it's your pitch, your loudness and your vocal quality. So, for example, when you think about like a distinctive voice like David Attenborough, (laughs) how would you describe it? (laughs) Um, So for David Attenborough, we could say he has like a deep, low-pitched voice and he's got a British accent (laughs) and it's a little gravelly and rough and a little bit breathy so that's how you would describe like David Attenborough's kind of voice yeah I love listening to David Attenborough (laughs) I find his voice so relaxing literally it's so good so our fourth practice area is eating and drinking and swallowing. So pretty self-explanatory really, Um, but we can work with a really wide range of clients on this. So some examples. Yeah, so like from the neonatal (laughs) intensive care unit. To fussy eaters. To people who've had a stroke. To people with head and neck cancer. And to people with neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's or dementia. Yeah. I think swallowing is really awesome. I like studying that. (laughs) Yeah. I found it like really difficult, but it was also super interesting. It's complex, right? But because there's so many like different types of people you can work with and so many different ways you can get around a swallowing problem. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. So interesting. I know. All right, so practice area number five is fluency, also known as stuttering. (laughs) 
Yeah, I feel like this is what people think of most when you think about speech pathology. Like, For sure. you kind of just be like, oh, stuttering, speech pathology goes hand in hand. <laughs> like, yeah. 100%. And so many times I feel like you get caught up in the, oh, I'm studying speech pathology. And people are like, stuttering, you work with stutterers. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, number six is resonance so abby and i haven't really learned too much about resonance and resonance disorders so far but we did a little bit of research in preparation for the podcast and we found three main types of resonance disorders that speech pathologists work with so number one is hypernasality which is lots of nasal sounds and this might occur in individuals with like a cleft palate or like cerebral palsy. Yeah. The second one is hyponasality, which is not enough nasal sounds. So this is basically when the sounds like you make when you have a blocked nose. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't really talk probably because I have a blocked nose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, the last one has a funny name. It's called cul-de-sac resonance. And it occurs when sounds kind of like bounce around the oral, nasal or pharyngeal cavity and they can't get out because of an obstruction. So that's what we learn about resonance. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the seventh practice area is um, pragmatics and social skills. So that's like knowing what to say, how to say, and when to say it in social situations. Yeah. Like some skills for um, pragmatics include turn-taking, gestures, respecting personal space, behaving in different ways with different people, like you would act different like with a friend compared to like your teacher or a lecturer or something. Like you yeah, wouldn't be just sure. like chatting away to your lecturer like <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, so yeah, yeah different contexts yeah uh number eight involve oh is cognitive communication I should tell you what it is first <laughs> and it involves <laughs> any problem with communication related to cognitive functioning so that kind of sounds a bit confusing but basically any problems with attention memory organizing ideas, problem solving, reasoning, flexibility, and self-control. So in a conversation, um, it would look like going off topic, maybe the person's forgotten what they're talking about, or they're adding lots of information in that's not really relevant, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The next one is emergent literacy and literacy. <laughs> so this is basically reading and writing. So you know the one, three, double, oh, six, triple, five, oh, six. <laughs> I love it. Like, you know the reading and writing hotline? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what emergent literacy and literacy is. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. Number 10 is sensory awareness. We work with OTs on this one. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we can work with anyone to kind of help them communicate and overcome their difficulties with taste, touch, 
sight, sound, movement and body awareness. So all those senses that can kind of impact daily living. Yeah. 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 And our last one for today (laughs) is AAC, which is called Augmentative and Alternative Communication, which is a (laughs) bit of a mouthful, to be honest. But um, it means like using anything but your voice for communication, like gesture, facial expression, writing things down, drawing pictures, or using a more high-tech device like an iPad and having like apps on there that can like say what you want to say for you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. AAC is like a passion of mine. I love working with people that use AAC devices. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, so good. So that is speech pathology in a quick nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was so much fun. I know, that was awesome. It's really good to um, break down all the areas. It really reminded me when we were preparing and even when we were talking through it today, like how much we can do and how many different people we can help. It's really awesome. Yeah, it's really great. Like that, yeah, 100% same with me, <laughs> Maggie, like reminded me of everyone like we we get to work with. Like yeah. it's so interesting. I know, Yeah. So that's it for today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Um chat soon. <laughs>